Hello and welcome to the Like, Click and Share podcast. I'm Darren Winter and uh, with me today, as usual, Gemma Walton. Hi, do. How are you doing? I'm all right, you? <laughs> I'm doing good, thank you very much indeed. So today we are talking about the recent Google search changes. So when we say recent, it obviously depends when you're listening to this podcast. Um, so these uh, we're recording this in July, um, and these changes happened around kind of May time. And might be talked about a little bit earlier, um, but sometimes things get discussed and they take a while to get implemented. And then if they do get implemented, it's, uh, it might take a while then for those uh, results to get uh, see like an impact and see how they kind of transition. So Google search changes that, I mean, there's always hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of changes to algorithms in, uh, for, for Google search um, every single year. Um, but usually a good like maybe three or four times a year, there's quite some significant changes. And those are the ones that um, marketers or anybody kind of involved in websites tend to pay more attention to because they tend to give a bit of a glimpse of how things might be pan out for the for the next maybe sort of 18 months to two years ahead. Um, what's interesting from uh, the, the changes that have happened recently, and I've put all of the links into the show notes, so definitely explore these. This has come from search engine land. Um, and the, the first kind of change is the word count. Most people believe that you need to have a minimum amount of words um, on a website. Now, there are, um, in, in, in some um, of uh, kind of website optimization software, they will always say that Google recommends a certain minimum amount of characters, but there's never I've ever seen um, like a, a maximum or like a you should have around about like five, six hundred or so. This apparently doesn't just doesn't exist. So there is no kind of best word count, but there is tends to be like a minimum. Um, so definitely go and check that out, but don't be worried too worried about the amount of words. And I think this kind of is interesting because. If you put this into context, we would say, well, there has always been a minimum word count. But if you look at websites like from photographers, galleries, that the look on the website is very minimalist. Um, and they might just show like one or two pieces of artwork or like a, a, like a small um, portfolio um, of the experience. Um, but it don't, doesn't really tend to be a lot more out on the page because that's just what people are looking for. So that's all about kind of the user experience um, and then the user interface. So user experience is just giving people what they want, making things easy to find, laying things out on a page um, and the interface, maybe something like a gallery is easy like to click through and find what you're looking for, or just discover new content. Um, but those some of those websites are still really successful and they are, they're not affected by the word. So this is an, it's an interesting podcast, this one, because it's, it's all about the myths of how we believe Google works. But actually, now we're starting to understand that sometimes when we believe or we're being told that to do certain things, it may not actually have a bigger bearing than what you think might be happening. So just to segue into this, give you some examples, um, some of the other next few changes. Um, the, the first one is going to be um, about the mobile first and having an SSL connection, an SSL certificate. Previously, most marketers and website developers believed that Google had told us 
that you know has to be um, on. It has to be like mobile optimized and needs to have a, a self certificate. Otherwise, it's going to affect your ranking. Apparently, according to search engine land um, and the information it's got from Google, that it's not um, being. It's not really the definitive um, factors. Um, but these are kind of they were seen as ranking signals. So it all sounds a bit woolly, um, a bit cloak and dagger. What do you think of that, Gemma? Um, I've also seen obviously what you're talking about there about um I think it was mobile mobile friendly. Um one of the things that I came across was um mobile first and that Google are um looking to is it crawl your website? Um, but the mobile version of the site before it'll crawl the desktop. So it'll still crawl the desktop version of your site, but not as much as the mobile version. Um, so they reckon that 70% of users searching on Google um, are on a mobile device. So what they're wanting you to do is to have streamlined content, simplified elements that fit on the screen, that are readable. Um, you've got clickable buttons you know like click to call and easy to navigate um help you to look at other pieces of content um and i've actually just been doing that for my site so it'd be interesting to see what they do um going forward but that was just a few um little bits that they said um so they want your website to be pretty much what what they were saying was ready to go anytime, any place, anywhere. That was what they were saying. So no matter what device you were on, it was easy enough for people to get the information that they needed to. Um, but again, I think it's always going to be down to the quality of content, um, yeah. which is obviously what you were saying about that EEAT. Um, and it still says that the new Google search will always seek to show relevant content even if the page experience isn't great for somebody um so i think that's one of the things that's been removed as well isn't it the, the page experience that's not, now not going to be a random factor either i don't know if you've yeah. seen that so the eeat um so this is about expertise experience authoritative and trust so this acronym um it's been around for quite a few years actually yeah. um but every now and again it kind of comes back into the sort of like headlines but if you use that as a basis for your content um, on your website or anything else that you do um, around your websites, then you're not going to go too far wrong. And I think it always we've always said before, it goes back to having a, a plan. There's no point just employing like a, a freelancer, just designing content just to try to get you to rank number one because it, it is like the real kicker with it. You can spend a fortune or spend some money trying to get people and you could have like you know the top ranking article but unless that really fits into your business it's like the person's going to read the article and just leave the website so effectively you just pay for somebody to come to your website and then go if your website is about um advertising uh, then the chances are the more people you get to the website they might click on something so that's going to you know, help your business move along because you're there to make money from the revenue but if you're you know website is about selling vacuum cleaners um, and then you're just you know if you're creating like helpful content that's kind of linked to your products and services that makes sense but if it's just like helpful articles that are not really linked like it yes it might help your website get higher 
um, but overall, it's not really going to help in your business. So there's two de- very different approaches. So definitely always think like, what's is the content going to help your business like move along? And if it isn't, just don't bother doing it. And the massive trend at the moment is so many people just throwing articles, podcasts, literally everything out there. And there's just so much content nowadays, so many social media channels, like it's, it's just overdrive. So not one person just can't do all of that. Um, you know, they're not going to be able to consume all, the, all that content is what I mean. Um, so you just have to bear that in mind to always think about your audience. So who they are, you know, where they tend to be. So they're more on LinkedIn or they're more, uh, more maybe on another channel. And what, what are their worries? What are their concerns? What are their challenges? So try to personalize your content. That's what's going to, it may not get you to the top of Google, but if that's going to give you turnover in your business, that's the smart way of working. It's not always about ranking like number one on Google. It's like you can have a top ranking website and have no customers. Like, what's the point? That always goes back to the metrics you have on socials. You might have 10,000 followers or a million followers, but if nobody's actually doing anything to help your business move along, there's just vanity metrics. It's a complete waste of your time, complete waste of money as well. If that's what you want to do, fine, but it's not going to help you like move along. But I think just bear that in mind but i think it really helps clarify sometimes when you get a bit stuck about should i do this should I do that or if things aren't working out go back to that acronym think about why you're doing things in the first place think about if you've got a plan what is it you want people to do and then use that kind of marketing funnel sales process that we've kind of talked about beforehand to really break down the stages and help people move along that's really a smart way of like using content have you, got, have you got anything else that you might want to add to that Gemma no I think you've I think you've explained that like quite well I mean it it is right you don't want to be at number one you know because if you haven't if if they're not visiting your site to buy your goods or services they're just visiting to read a helpful article then yeah great for them they've got the help that they needed but you've really got nothing out of it apart from you've paid the money for the article to be created you know um so it's, yeah I, no i think it's i think it's right um i think it'd be interesting to see what happens over the next few months and how quickly these things take effect and what impact it has because i know um when i've been looking at some competitors for some clients that i've been working with um some people haven't even got the mobile responsive website you know so when you go on on your like your phone it's can you remember years ago and it was just like the square box in the top and yeah. that was your website and then the white all the way down so Gosh. it's but then they were still getting visitors to their site you know so it's it's, it's strange isn't it yeah it's it's I've, difficult I've i think people get hung up on i think people get really hung up on all these different things you know yeah. but i think keeping the the key one about the EEAT, about the content, you know, I think that's probably, you can not like forget all of the others because some of them are really important, but I think the the content and as long as it's relevant to your website and you do get what you need out of it, I think that's the most, almost the most important thing when it comes to the the rankings. I don't know what you think. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And there's something I learned this week, um, which I was still quite staggered that, um, you mentioned about desktop versus mobile and in the States and the U S that apparently 30%, just over 30% of global traffic, um, 
comes from um, desktop in the United States, um, which I thought was less staggering like um, figure. Um, I thought I did find the um, research I'll try and find put the, the link um, below in the show notes. So apologies uh, if I can't find it, but I found it when I was looking and I was, I was, I was really surprised at the, the high um, number of people still using desktops um, in the States, whereas traditionally in like, not traditionally, but more frequently in the in Europe, definitely in Britain, then it's pretty much the reverse, whereas 65 percent of users are probably going to be on a mobile that's an average mm-hmm. um so it is it, very much um different um and then you've got the tablets and all sorts of other devices as well that kind of make up the other numbers but the desktop is much lower um than than, than that so uh I, it's um yeah if just in case you're thinking well 65 plus 30 is nearly 100 percent there's other devices like tablets as well kind of like thrown into that um the other thing kind of just I think when we go back to personalization, it's like with that desktop in mind, um, you know, some of your clients may not be used to using mobiles either. So they may well just be, you know, you might have a group that are very kind of highly focused on desktop because all they, they just do all their work on their desktop um, and then they don't really use their mobile for anything else. Or they might be technically or technology challenged, if that's a phrase. Um, but I think that, Again, it's about being helpful and supportive sort of, and then moving things along because you have to protect your business. Mm-hmm. The world is changing like massively fast in terms of technology. So how we're doing business now is not going to be really how we're going to be doing business in a few years' time. Pandemic has already kind of shown that um, and things are kind of settling down a little bit, but things are constantly, things like with AI is constantly changing, these new tools come into people's hands and you do need to be ready to, if you're working in IT or you're a web developer or you're a freelancer and you're working on website projects and your client is, you know, anti-mobile or resistant to mobile, you need to be ready to try to persuade them to move along. And if you if you struggle to do have that conversation, is that, you know, they, if they don't want to do it, you, you can't force people to do things they don't want. But I think there's ways that you can try and help them get to where the business needs to be to help protect them as a client and as a business. And hopefully that should pay dividend back to you um, as a consultant or a freelancer or just you just doing your job um, because that's the right way of doing work. And whether people want to move that way along is a is a different matter. But if they don't, they're the way of a business. And then ultimately they'll come back to you because you didn't p- protect them, mm-hmm. um, which is very, very difficult. Um, as we're kind of talking about kind of changes, the other thing I just want to kind of, mention um some changes here in in the us so this is about how ai um, is going to be used or displayed now and google search changes so this was splashed all over the media back in may but some people might have forgotten about it so this is a trial um by google um so searches generally if you just type something in they'll just come up on the screen but if they now use ai um then they will be highlighted green um, and then if you see anything highlighted in blue, these are for um, AI-generated shopping results. So basically, this is all about transparency and ethical transparency about where AI is being used. Ethics in AI is a massive topic this year because there's been lots of examples of where people are using um, AI not for good. Um, and some people are quite concerned about 
the t- how it's been used and maybe used without the knowledge, people being tracked and using data without their knowledge. And you might think, I just don't care. Um, but it is really important that we still have this kind of like constant challenge about ethical transparency. Because you imagine that, you know, you think if I were doing some searches online and I was signing with my, let's just say, I sign in with uh, my search engine account. I'm not going to call this any names, but let's just, I'm signing with my, I'm signing with a search engine account and I might, fe- might be feeling a little bit unwell. Um, and I could have sort of different symptoms and I'm just typing them in the, in, in the internet. Well, if AI can collect, knows it's me and then can collect that data, then that potentially that data could be passed on to my insurance company. And my insurance company could still say, we've got reason to believe you might be suffering from this. So therefore we're going to exclude you from this insurance or we're going to increase your premiums because we've got reason to believe you might not be feeling very well or you've seen a doctor about this. So that's, I'm not saying that's happened, but it's just an example of how like data and that can be like used against us. Um, so and we're moving into a different world and there's definitely in the UK, we were just saying this before we come on air, that the headlines from The Guardian are, uh, so I'll read The Guardian more than most, but definitely the headlines in the press and the media are quite sort of um, depressing and, you know, the future is doom and, you know, AI is going to be taking all of our jobs and it's just all of that type of stuff. And we're going to talk about this on another podcast in the next few months um, about universal income and like potentially what that future might look like. Because it's just an interesting discussion. Nobody's really kind of thought about it. But for now, like we most of us still have like jobs, got opportunities for jobs, training. Um, but it's just a nod that if you don't really know too much about AI or machine learning, then just start to read some articles about it. You know, maybe start to look towards more kind of technical um, websites, um, people with more authority. So come back to the eat more ex- expertise, experience. Start hunting people out on LinkedIn and start trying to understand more about the conversation. Um, have a look at Medium.com is a really good place to have a look at. You know, for some really great articles. Um, if, the, if, it, if that kind of applies to you and then maybe get some training in as well. It's better to have, to be forewarned and forearmed with some information um, to help you understand what this technology is about. So that's a, that's a lot about kind of the future of like of AI. What do you think, what might be, do you think there might be some big significant changes with AI in the next like year in terms of Google um, Gemma? Yeah, but it's, I think it's I think it's really hard to say what those changes are going to be. You know, like yeah. people used to predict, didn't they? Like, oh, in 2023, this is going to change in digital marketing. Oh, in 2023, this is going to change in X, you know. Um, I think with AI and how quickly things are changing, um, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be harder and harder to predict what's coming, what it's going to look like. What yeah. does that mean for for you sort of thing um because i feel like it'll be a bit like you know when they did they make changes to either facebook algorithm or google algorithm whatever it is you're always almost the last to know aren't you even though you work yes. in the <laughs> even though you work in the field they make the changes and then all of a sudden people start writing articles about it but it's happened like the changes have happened months ago people have just been trying to work out what those changes were due to what's happened to either like their organic reach or their engagement or whatever it is. 
Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think it's. I think a lot of it's exciting. I think a lot of it's a bit like oh, you don't know which way that's going to go. And obviously the the ethical AI, what you were saying there, um, that's a bit scary. And you can understand why some people um, aren't keen for certain things to to happen. Um, so I don't know. I think it'd be interesting to see what happens going forward. I mean, some of the tools are really useful, aren't they? You know, there's some great ones out there. Um, I don't know. I think it's just watch this. It's like watch this space, isn't it? Because it is. <laughs> It is, and, and interesting. That was the conclusion that I'd, I'd read quite a few different articles, like from Neil Patel and all, all yeah. these like search engine marketing, um, and some others. And the future is, like you say, it's un, it is a little bit unknown. But that's why you, it's important to be in that discussion or in the conversation, having a rough idea of what's going on. Because then, when things do land, and they do land really quickly then you've kind of got some sense of like where it's come from and roughly kind of what to do with it and what to react to is, you know, are some of the changes something you need to prioritise now or can you just like maybe wait a few months for things to see how they kind of pan out, you know, whether it's going to take hold or not. We've been so major, so many major announcements over the last like 18 months, two years, that if you acted on every single one that come through, you wouldn't be running a business, you'd just be just, you know, just be an IT manager. Um, and I did say that was kind of the final thing, but actually what sprung to mind was GA4 because that's this month, this big kind of like switch over. And I have to be saying, I'm quite critical yeah. of Google. I don't think they've handled it very well at all. I think you've been really quite poorly managed. Um, I think it's quite difficult um, to, to it's not, they could have made it so much easier. You know, they could have just, you know, one click and moved everybody across. But I think, potentially i suppose there's so many issues with um like privacy and notices and things like that you kind of have to but again it's like they're very very clever and they've tried to i, I went through the process myself <clears throat> a couple of months ago and i thought i'd done everything um and then there's this like new i think like seven point checklist um and maybe i just didn't finish it properly before or i kind of all oh, this is new I, I wasn't sure so I went through, and, and a lot of it's just based around apps, and essentially, so this just is completely overblown, and you don't really understand what you're signing up for. You don't really understand what the difference is going to make. All I know, for and what I've read about is that that uh, Google Analytics will be much more accurate, be much more improved. It's going to be using machine learning for like predictions. Um, but ultimately, it's very similar to what it was before. It's like, you know what? Could you have just done this a better way? Could you have just done this differently? And I, I think they've made it very, very complicated for people. Have I think, well, it's funny you should say that. I actually was asked to set it up on a website for somebody. <laughs> and I looked at it and I was like, oh, I don't want my first go or second go to like, doing this on a, like, a, a bigger scale because it's quite a big quite a big website and it's going over two websites um I said I wouldn't feel comfortable like charging somebody and setting this up when it's the first it's not the first time that I've set up the GA4 but on on that scale to track all those different things but I said I'm happy to come in and like sit with you and see if we can do it like together sort of thing so I'm going in on Friday I actually think it looks more complicated than what it is um I think it's um now that you've got to connect Google Search Console to the analytics to be able to view the keywords and set up a separate report, 
um, and you've got to set up all these different reports to run these different, like whatever it is that you're tracking. Um, I just think it's, I, I, I would agree with you. I don't think it's being done in the right way. I don't think there's been that much. And I mean, I remember speaking to somebody about it about a year ago and them saying just, you can run both pieces of code on your website side by side, so Universal Analytics and GA4, and just keep going in and having a look around. Well, that's great, but you don't always have time to do that. And I think, yeah. like, looking at Universal Analytics, every time you logged in, it was different. Do you know what I mean? Every time you logged in to get some data or look for something, it had been moved or it was called a different name. And that was even if you were going in month month by month towards the end, whether or not that, that was to set you up for GA4, I don't know, because I, I don't think it looks anything, I don't think it looks anything like it. Um, but I do think it, they've made it, it, it does look more complicated. Um, yeah. And I think you've got to just go in and try not to see all the different things and connections and the um, different elements are called different things to track um yeah but i do think like i said i do think they've made it more complicated so i'm looking forward to friday morning with kate to go through i think it, 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 it I mean, you've got all these you've got things like events and goals and a lot yeah. of people don't have those set up so they just use it just for the simple like how many people come to a website what pages have they looked at um and you know are they coming on mobile desktop which countries have they come from you know days of the week times of the week that's really all, you know, simple information, but really interesting and really helpful. So, you know, you've got an overall, like, some sort of a guide about kind of how your website's performing. So that's why you definitely should do GA4. If you haven't done it yet, then you do need to set yourself maybe like half an hour, an hour, sit down and just go through it. It's Once you get into it, it's not too bad, but they've just not made it very easy. Um, but it is possible just following a few instructions you can kind of like skate through i think there might be i did have a little guide um or to seen somebody share i think wordstream was sharing some guides about like how to do stuff or maybe how to set up events and goals i'll have a look for those again i'll put those in the show notes as well i'm just going to make a quick note um because i've got happy to say i'm going to do things and then i'll forget to put it in the show notes afterwards so uh the wordstream link should be in the bottom there but yeah, do do it um, because obviously they do switch off the universal analytics, which they will do. Um, at I, some think it's, I think it's gone now. I think it went it's actually gone first, now, so first of July. Gone. Yeah, it was the first of July, I think. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so you might be seeing lots of emails from Google about doing this and doing that. It's like just sit down, just do it, make it part of your week, do it, um, or find somebody who can do it for you. So you can maybe employ somebody, freelancer. You know to do it just be careful about who you give access to your google accounts as well just for security and everything so you can make people users when you can rather than giving them your email address yeah, and password um but uh yeah if you've got any questions and you're really unsure then feel free you can also just fire it to us and then um we can kind of help and direct you as well uh, but otherwise uh, there's loads of advice out there on youtube and google just just google just so put in the search engine how to do this, how to do that, and there'll be some good how to do guides out there. And um, from people like Neil Patel, from trusted sources, yeah. going back to the eat again, follow somebody that's trusted and recognized um, and knows what they're talking about. Um, that's it for this podcast. Um, but hopefully it was really helpful, some interesting insights about kind of the changes. Um, and then just the look ahead, making sure we just keep focusing on. <laughs> um, 
creating informative, educational, helpful content. Be a leader, spend some time to really focus on sort of creating content that your audience um, will really like appreciate and love. Um, we'll be back soon um, with another podcast. Um, please hit the subscribe button. And uh, if you'd like, if you have a specialism in marketing or technology that you'd like to talk about or something you think people should know, um, just get in touch with us. Our details are in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to have you on the show. But uh, bye for now. See you later.